You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, Faithful? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I'm Brian Rennick. He's Al Sacco. We are in that weird part of the year where Christmas is over, but it's not New Year's. It's just weird holiday time. We were both talking about how you kind of don't know what day it is, especially nope. as, as a, at least for me, you know, I've got this week and next week off as as a teacher, it's like the the biggest perk of uh, of the job <laughs> is winter break, if we're being perfectly honest. But uh, the 49ers are preparing to travel all the way across the country to face the Washington Commanders in week 16, the 16th game so, of the season. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I know. It goes by too fast. It's too wild. Fast. It's, you know, and you know what's interesting is, is um, somebody posted something yesterday on Twitter in in comparison of uh, the NFL and the NBA in terms of, of viewership, average viewership. And somebody made a great point. You know, the one thing the NFL has that no other league really anywhere has is just the urgency of every single game because there's so few of them, right? You know, I guess you could say football in general, not just the NFL because college is the same, but it does make it, it does make it a unique sport and it does make it like all of a sudden, uh, like it feels like that Steelers game was just yesterday and now we're almost at the end of the regular season. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it's just a bl- blink of an eye, man. And this year, yeah, this this time of year, dude, I don't know what day it is. I, I guess it's Thursday. <laughs> we're recording this. I don't know. And the way like it used to be, and I don't know why the weather shifted, uh, global warming, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you believe, but. It used to be like pretty in the winters where I live on the East Coast. Like you'd get snow and it felt Christmassy. Now uh-huh. it's just it's 39, 40 degrees, gray and rainy, like every single day. Like it just oh. sucks. So no on top snow. of like you don't know what day it is. No, we I, we we've gotten a dusting maybe here. Oh wow. End of December. So it kind of shifted now to like January, February, March are more like the snow months and the holidays. We really don't get any. So that that part it, of it kind of sucks because I like I like I like a white Christmas. Yeah, I uh, I had to take my I had to take my youngest to a birthday party. I dropped her off at a birthday party yeah. today. We left at uh, nine forty five, and it was sixty degrees already here in nice Northern life. California. I was nice like, life. what is happening? This is yeah ridiculous. Once the end of February hits here, you're like sitting in a corner with a drink, rocking, and you get like seasonal depression, <laughs> and it, it, it gets rough, man. I when I get I can't imagine staying here. Um, yeah, in the coming years, eventually, you know, as, as yeah. the family gets older, I yeah. think we'll, my wife and I will end up somewhere else. But 
you know. All right, Brian. Fair nobody enough. gives a shit what I think about uh, holiday weather. So let's talk <laughs> about the 49ers, which I assume why most of you are listening to this show. Here's here's we were talking last week about or last show about how when you have a season like this, it's just cool. You have all these individual accomplishments that are, yeah. are part of the fun of being a fan. It's cool to see your your guys put up big numbers and be talked about for awards and that sort of thing. So it got me thinking about McCaffrey and mm-hmm. just kind of the season that he's having. So I went back and looked and I wanted to see what were really the other great running back years, at least in the modern era that you could, you could compare them to. And I came up with three players in four years. So first, here's where McCaffrey is currently. He's got 1,395 rushing yards. That's currently fourth all time in 49ers history. And he's got 1932 in terms of all purpose yards. So is he going to break all these records? Where is he? So I went back and looked. So Frank Gore had an all-time season in 2006. He's got the most rushing yards of any 49ers player in a single season at 1695. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry, 61 catches for 485 yards. So his total in terms of touches, 373, 2,180 all-purpose yards, which is the Niners record. 5.8 yards per touch, but only nine total touchdowns. So that's a great year. Is it as good as McCaffrey's year? Well, let's keep let's keep going through and looking. Garrison Hurst, who Brian might be the most underrated running back in 49ers history, didn't play long for them. He gets forgotten. He does. He had some amazing seasons. In 1998, was one of them. He ran for 1,570 yards, which is second only to Gore for the franchise. Uh, 5.1 yards per carry, added another 39 catches for 535 yards. His total yards, 349 touches, 2,105 yards, six yards per touch, nine total TDs. Now, Craig, Craig had a great rushing season, third all-time for the Niners in 1988 at 1502, 4.8 yards per carry, added another 76 catches for 534 yards, 386 total touches, 2,036 yards, 10 total TDs, 5.3 yards per touch. But 1985, I kind of feel like for Roger Craig was, you got to put that up there with one of the greatest years of all time because running backs weren't doing this yet. And what I mean is, so yeah, he had 1,050 yards, 4.9 yards per carry on the ground. They had 92 catches for 1,016 yards. And in today's game, you're like, okay, you know, that happens. Didn't happen back then. So for him to have that kind of a season was really special. 306 total touches, 2,066 yards, 6.8 yards per touch, 15 total touchdowns. So that's the most total touchdowns out of out of Gorehurst and Craig. McCaffrey's on pace for 1,581 rushing yards, which would put him, where would that put him? Second? Second. Yeah, that would put him second behind Gore. He's on pace for 618 receiving yards. And I did not add that up because I'm an idiot. I'm going to have to add that up. But and he's got, as of right now, he's got 321 touches, 932 yards, six yards per touch, and 21 touchdowns. So if I add that up, his pace, he's 1581 plus 618. That puts him at 2,199, which would put him, which would give him the Niners record too. So he's on pace yeah. to be second in rushing. Tops in all-purpose yards and probably score the way Kyle uses him: twenty-four and twenty-five touchdowns. So Which you blows can make away the, the touchdowns. Yeah, blows away the touchdowns. So I think Craig's season was special in the context of the era. Gore's was special in that he had no passing game to speak of, really. Right. When he did what he did, what he did. Um, but in terms of everything combined, this may very well be the best running back season we've seen in 49ers history. 
Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting because he is firmly, you know, I, I think firmly in the discussion for MVP, largely because, again, it has been a down year for quarterbacks. There isn't a quarterback that has, you know, by far and away been leading the league in in, in different categories and whatnot. You know, there's no, no 50 touchdown seasons or anything like that. 5,000 yards, you know, none of the things that we've really kind of seen from a lot of the QB MVPs that we've, that we've seen over the past, you know, decade or so, um, you know, it's interesting. It, this made me think about, you know, I was having a conversation, uh, with my buddy, Tim, uh, last Friday, and we were just talking about kind of the parallels between this team and the 94 team and the weapons that the 94 team had versus the weapons that, um, you know, that, that this team has. And, you know, one of the things that I said was, you know, a lot of people forget how good Ricky waters was. That's another guy that I think largely gets forgotten about. And, you know, we had Ricky on, um, you know, earlier this year, which was, you know, incredible. It was a highlight of, uh, uh, (laughs) of this season of podcasts. Uh, but I, I looked up, I looked up Ricky Waters numbers for that 94 season just because I was I was curious mm-hmm. and I didn't realize this, but he only rushed for 877 yards that season and six touchdowns. You're like, that's not very impressive. But then you go over to receiving. He had 719 receiving yards. Yeah. And five touchdowns. And he was second on the team in targets. He had 88 targets in the passing game that season. Third was uh, Brent Jones at 72. But first was Jerry Rice with 151 targets. 151 targets in the passing game. Uh, And then it was Ricky Waters at 88, uh, Brent Jones at 72, and John Taylor at 64. Like, oh yeah, Taylor only had. I guess that was to the tail end for him. He only had forty yeah. catches that year, five hundred thirty-one yeah. yards. Yep. But uh, but yeah. So and then and then Waters was also second in on the team with uh, yardage at seven hundred nineteen, and then uh, Jerry was at fourteen ninety-nine and uh, thirteen touchdowns. So, uh, but yeah, there's been there's been a lot of impressive running backs in in this. You know in this franchise's history um one guy that already should have been in the hall of fame and roger craig um one yeah. guy that definitely has a hall of fame argument if for no other reason than longevity in frank gore and production but longevity for the most part um you know and and christian mccaffrey who i i think will definitely be a a hall of famer when his career ends just based on what he did in carolina and now what he's trending doing that way. in San Francisco. Yeah, it's definitely trending that way. Um, it's been an impressive season, but to go back to that idea of him being firmly entrenched in the um, in the MVP conversation, if you will, you know, I looked up, um, there's only been, since 2001, there's only been four running backs who have won the MVP, and it's um, Sean Alexander, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, um uh Peterson. Yeah, Adrian Peterson, and I'm missing one. I can't remember uh who else. But um I looked up <laughs> I looked up Tomlinson's MVP year just to like try and get, you know, try and get an idea of of how 
McCaffrey stacks up. And the year that Ladanian Tomlinson won the MVP, which was 2006, he had 1,815 rushing yards and 28 touchdowns. 28 rushing touchdowns. And then on top of that, he had 56 receptions for 508 yards and three touchdowns. So he accounted for 31 touchdowns that season um, and 2,323 total yards. So again, an impressive season for McCaffrey, no doubt. Um, Nowhere near the rushing that LaDainian did. As far as touchdowns, he's, What's wild is, I mean, he's he's not going to get to thirty-one, but yeah. you know he is, you know he he has he has a pretty impressive season. I don't know if it stacks up to other MVP seasons for running backs, but it just again goes to show how impressive he has been uh, this season. And I, I think by a wide margin, he is the best running back in the NFL. He is, uh, I think now one touchdown ahead of Raheem Mostert for most touchdowns this season, which I think is, is pretty wild for, for Raheem. Um, but, but he's, he's widely ahead of him in, in rushing yards by, I think 300 yards or so. Yeah. Terrell Davis was the other running back. I don't, don't there it is. want it. Thank you. And, um, I forgot to mention too, Roger Craig in 1988, one offensive player of the year. And I think McCaffrey, his only competition really is Tyreek Hill. And if yeah. Tyreek Hill doesn't break that record, I'm not sure that it's going to be competition. I think it's going to go to McCaffrey because Tyreek Hill's got 12 touchdowns. McCaffrey's going to end up with upwards of 25 and, and mm-hmm. way more all-purpose yards, obviously. I think that I think McCaffrey's almost might be definitely in his favor for offensive player of the year right now. So it'll yeah. go that way. Yeah. The other sure. player I want to talk about today, and this is a pass 49er, the finalists for the Hall of Fame came out. Patrick Willis is on there again. He's one of 15. And I've been talking forever. It's a lot of 49ers fans have that he deserves to be in. He should yeah. be in the Hall of Fame. And we had Clark Judge was on the show years ago. It might have been right after Willis retired, actually. But we're talking about his Hall of Fame candidacy. And he was like, kind of described what the process was a little bit. And he says he looks for a player who is, were they one of their top two players in their era at their position? And the argument he made, well, Urlacher's there. Ray Lewis was there. So was Willis. And if you look at, if you look at the resume, mm-hmm. yes, Willis was. So mm-hmm. Willis played eight seasons and in his eighth season, he played six games. Um, so really t- seven full seasons. He was defensive rookie of the year. He was a five time first team all pro in seven seasons. So that tells you, yes, he's one of the top two guys or whatever at his position. Um, he was a one time second team all pro and he was a seven time pro bowler. And the argument of he didn't play long enough, that's kind of out the window now with Terrell Davis and Calvin Johnson. And it's going to be with Luke Keekley too. We'll get, we'll get in eventually with eight seasons. But the way they, they do the Hall of Fame is, unless there's a surefire guy, you know, Jerry Rice, Tom Brady, that you're just not going to argue about, just whatever the guy's in, you don't have to have a discussion. What they do is they have a discussion about each candidate. And I know Matt Mayoko is someone who's in the room, and I know he's he's – has discussions. I know he's one of the reasons Terrell Owens got in. A voter told me that Mayoko did such a good job with Terrell Owens because um, he, nice. he presents his case. So, but they'll present the case for Willis. And looking this year, this year might be the Willis action, the year Willis gets in because they'll put in players like receivers. They'll put in a receiver this year. They just kind of put somebody in the pecking order, whichever one they put in. And Willis has been waiting at linebackers. And we've seen Zach Thomas and 
well, Sam Mills and guys like the guys who I think Willis should, should have made it in over. Yeah. They've been in that, that pecking order as well. So this year, Brian, here, here are the, here are the finalists. And I, I don't know if you can tell me five, I have five that I think are going to get in. Julius Peppers. It's his first year. Mm-hmm. Eric Allen, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Jahari Evans, Dwight Freeney, Antonio Gates. It's his first season being eligible. Rodney Harrison, Devin Hester, Corey Holt, Andre Johnson, Fred Taylor, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson. So those are the 15 finalists. Here's who, here's my official prediction. Who's getting in. Okay. Jared, I think Jared Allen's going to get in for the pass rushers because it's kind of his turn. He was, he's the, been on the ballot the longest. I think he'll get in over Freeney and Peppers. Um, just because they're going to, I think they're going to put him in. It's his turn. I do think Freeney and Peppers are going to get in eventually. Mm-hmm. I am going to say Willie Anderson, just because I think they're going to put a lineman in. I think Gates mm-hmm. will get in his first time. I think they'll pick a receiver. Mine was Tory Holt again because he's been on the ballot the ballot the longest. And I think Willis gets in. I think based on who's there, and because Keekley is going to be there next year, I think they I think the voters may may put him in this year. So he's going to be my fifth prediction. Um, will I be surprised if he doesn't? No, but I'm going to predict that he does. I think I I agree with 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 all of that. I I would I would say. I, I think they're putting Devin Hester in because he's been he was the best at what he did in NFL history. Um and so that you know that needs to be <laughs> you know that needs to be uh acknowledged. And is this his first is is this have is this Hester's first no, ballot? I think he's been on the ballot, but someone told me who I trust with this stuff. I, uh-huh. he how much did he really impact the game? So he's gonna get in. But play yeah. to play eventually, but play to play mm-hmm. down to down. How much does someone who's a specialist like that really affect the game? So they may push other guys over him because of that. That's that's what I was told. I mean, I I I understand that. I understand that argument, but to me, again, special teams is a part of <laughs> of the game, right? Right. And he is arguably outside of you know, kicker, the the most decorated and impressive special teams player in NFL history in terms of what he did in the return game. And again, I think that maybe not this year, but that will have to be acknowledged eventually. I think, I think what's interesting, you know, you, you talked about Willis and and you gave some of the accolades, his rookie year, he made all pro first team, all pro Mm -hmm. his rookie year. Not only that, but his rookie year, he had 136 solo tackles and 174 combined tackles. His rookie year, he was defensive rookie of the year. He was seventh in defensive player of the year, his rookie year. And then he was all pro. Uh, he was first team all pro and a pro bowler. The only year he didn't make the pro bowl was the only year that he didn't play a full season. Like that is wild. That yeah. is wild. And then again, like you said, he played seven full seasons of those seven. He was first team all pro in five of them, five. And he was second team all pro every year. Yeah. He was second team all pro in. Nope. He never. Oh yeah. His uh, his second year. Yeah. His second year. He was second team every other year. So all pro first team, all pro five years, second team, all pro one year. Again, just one year that he didn't make all pro was 2013, uh, but he still made the Pro Bowl. Uh, but he only uh, he only played 14 games that season as well. 
Um, although yeah, in, 2011, in 2011, he only played yeah. 13. Yeah. So foot issue, I think it was. Yeah. Which is eventually why he retired, mm-hmm. um, you know, was his feet. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, if you're talking about, was he one of the best one or two at his position? Five of seven years, first team all pro tells you, yes, he was. And so, again, longevity kind of goes out the window now that, you know, there are other players that, you know, have kind of bucked that trend. And to, again, to just to, to play seven full seasons, make seven Pro Bowls, five first team all pros, one second team all pro, win defensive player of the year, be on the ballot for, or sorry, defensive rookie of the year, be on the ballot for defensive player of the year during your rookie season, like all of that, I think just, again, it, it just goes to show that, you know, he affected the game incredibly at his position um, and, you know, and still was able to stand out even with another all pro next to him in, in Navarro Bowman, which again is, yeah. is, is, is impressive in and of itself. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the argument would be outside of he didn't play, more than seven years, but I, I just don't feel like that's a a valid reason for him not to be in. Yeah, he'll get in eventually. I, I just again, I think I think with Keekley going in next year, it's going to muddy the waters a little bit. So I, I feel like the voters are going to hopefully push him over this this time, but we'll see. Um. Oh, you know what I wanted to talk to you about? I totally yeah. missed this, and I was just checking Twitter the day after I did not see that the Niners signed Sebastian Joseph day. And in the yeah. next day I saw it and I was like, Holy shit, that is a great move. They need it right now because they're hurting. You know, Eric Armstead's really banged up. They're hurting right now in the middle, the defense, like we said, the past couple of games I saw it and I was like, wow, phenomenal move. It was a no brainer for Joseph day. He said to come to the Niners, he is going to help that run defense immensely. Um, could be a big cog to put in there for a playoff run. I was I was super excited that they signed him. Yeah, it's a I, I, that's a big a big signing. Um, what's wild is he's a team. He was a team captain for for San Diego. San Diego, gosh dang it, for LA for the Chargers, the San Diego Super Chargers, as Chris Berman used to call them. Um, he was a team captain. He was one of the first signings that Brandon Staley uh, engineered when he came over to the Chargers. Uh, signed him from. Uh, from the the Rams, uh, mm-hmm. basically as as part of, you know, part of his way to install the defense there, uh, is uh, a a plus run defender uh, every year that he's played, and that's exactly what the 49ers need right now, especially with the, yeah. you know, uh, uncertainty of of Eric Armstead and when he when he will return, and so I think to 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 be able to snag him, nobody nobody claimed him off waivers. Which yeah, is shocked. interesting. We're we looked shocked. up, you know, we looked up his contract, and he has no guaranteed money next year on his deal. He has one more de- one more year left, but there's no guaranteed money. So even if you claimed him off waivers, it's just a prorated portion of his six and a half million dollar base salary this year, and then he has no guaranteed money next year. So you could theoretically cut him and not, not you know, not incur any dead money. Uh, so it's surprising to me that that he cleared waivers, and then um, you know, but hey. Kudos to, again, uh, arguably the best front office, uh, one of the best front offices in the NFL in, yep. in, in recognizing, hey, you know what? We don't know what's going on with Eric. Let's get this guy in. You know, he wanted, some people thought maybe he asked LA for his release 
so that he could compete with a, a team that is in in postseason contention. Uh, in which case, kudos to uh, LA for you know granting granting that for a player that mm-hmm. you know is on. I think he's thirty two, so you know he's he's not young anymore, and you know uh, he wants to compete for another Lombardi, and so. Um, I think that's a, it's a great move and, uh, it's not necessarily anything that will help against the commanders, uh, this coming Sunday because the commanders don't run the ball. Um, they just throw it all over the field, but, uh, but that's going to be definitely helpful, um, in, in, in the postseason, uh, because again, this 49ers team is 11 and four and in the driver's seat for the one seed, like we said at the end of last episode, the sky is not falling. Um, they just got to do what they need to do. And also, uh, I stand corrected from last episode. The 49ers can uh, secure the one seed with a victory over Washington, a Cowboys victory over the Lions, and then a Cardinals victory over the Eagles. In my head, I kept thinking Dallas had the same number of losses, but they lost to Miami last week, which gave them five instead of four. So mm-hmm. there's still only three teams that have four losses. So if those other two teams lose and the Niners win, then they secure the one seed uh, this coming Sunday. So uh, <laughs> we've had to do this before. I'm going to say it again. Uh, I'm going to, I'm not even, well, actually, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say go Cardinals. Cause whatever, I don't care. It's the Cardinals go Cardinals. And then uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to root for the Lions to lose. I'm not going to root for the other team to beat them. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's the best way to put that. I think. Yeah. So Joseph day is actually only 28. Only oh, okay. Middle. Okay. So yeah. he is on the oh, younger he's... side. That. Yeah, and if he's somebody you know again that fits in, he could he could you know sign him long term or extend or whatever. He's 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 a solid player, man. It was it's a it's a really good pickup. That's what winning teams do. You grab guys like this for the yeah. Run. So it was I was absolutely thrilled when I saw that. Yeah, so he cleared waivers. They signed him to a one year deal because he was a free agent. So that's how it worked. So this is a get right game against Washington. Every yeah. statistic, every the eyeball test, whatever you want to say. The, the commanders are just, I mean, they're a sinking ship. And Ron Rivera, and I don't want to, Ron Rivera's had a really long career in the NFL. I mean, he's a yeah. dead man walking right now. He's not coming back. He no. probably has coached his last game, at least as a head coach. But look, dude's coached over 200 games in the NFL. He's 102, 101, and two as a head coach. So kind of hope maybe he doesn't win this week, but maybe next week. You know, I don't yeah. want to see him fall under 500. Um, he, he had a winning record at Carolina. He made a Super Bowl. But his time at Washington, like most coaches in Washington, has you know hasn't been good. He's, he's had yeah. no winning seasons. Brian, this defense is atrocious. It's awful. It's the worst <laughs> defense in the NFL. They have about 453 yeah. points. That's by a lot. The next closest is 103. And the Jets just hung 30 on them. Now, granted, a lot of short fields. There were a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. But still, it's, it's the Jets. They can't move the ball at all. Yeah. Their last in yards, 5,764. Second to last in yards per play at 5.9. You know, Cincinnati is last, which I was kind of surprised to see. I didn't realize their defense was uh, me too. that shitty. Yeah. Um, they've given up the 31st most or second to last most passing yards. So the second worst, 3,924. Mm-hmm. They've given up 33 passing touchdowns, which is the worst. Do you know who's the second worst? Might surprise you. Passing touchdowns? Yeah. Um. I don't. Who? The Eagles. <laughs> 31. T- can you believe that? <laughs> 31 touchdowns they've given up. They have a QB rating of 102.9. That's last. Um, and they've given up. They've also given up. I mean, 
they do pass, or you can pass on them, but they've also given up 840 rushing yards, which is the 10th worst, at 4.5 yards per carry. So opponents have scored 30-plus on them nine times. And then in two other games, they had 28 and 29. In any good game they had under 20, it was all prior to week eight, so probably mm. when they had sweat and, and young. Yeah. And those games that were under 20 were against the Patriots, the Falcons, the Giants, and the Cardinals. So all super, super shitty teams. Right. So that defense, man, just so bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? After the kind of game that Brock Purdy had uh, last week, you kind of actually, like you said, this is a get-right game, uh, a, a defense that allows that kind of uh, – those kind of passing numbers. You got you to gotta think that Kyle might come out with a very similar game plan – that he did against the Ravens, which is a pass heavy game plan, just mm-hmm. simply to try and get Brock some more confidence after again, his worst by far his worst game uh, as a professional. And, uh, you know, and the other thing is this, this commander's team there, they bench Sam Howell and they're mm-hmm. starting Jacoby Brissett, who is, you know, a, a true vet, if you will, right? Like he's going to protect the ball, um, yeah. you know, but Eric Bianami is, is still going to try and throw the ball over the field. That's what he's been doing all season. I don't anticipate that, that changing. Uh, but what that means is a lot of opportunities for the secondary and pass rush. And just like the jets, they'll probably have some short fields to work with as well. Um, I don't anticipate any kind of, let down. I think this team is embarrassed and pissed off at the way that they mm-hmm. performed uh, against the against the Ravens. Uh, again, there are some numbers that show that that you have to give the Ravens credit for creating turnovers. There's you know there's no two ways about that. That's playing good defense. But the 49ers were able to move the ball on that Ravens defense, and if they can do if that offense can do a better job and specifically, obviously Brock Purdy can do a better job of taking care of the ball. I think if they do meet again in the Super Bowl, um, I'm not, I, I wouldn't look at that game and be like, man, this is, you know, how are we going to beat this team? They just, you know, absolutely destroyed us, you know, on Christmas. It was, you know, if you turn the ball over that much, it's going to be very difficult <laughs> to win a game. Right. Um, but if they can take care of the ball, they know that they can move the ball on them. And I think Kyle learned his lesson in terms of getting CMC more involved. Um, and I, I just think it'll be a different game. But uh, I do think Brock needs a confidence boost. I think he'll get it this week against this really shitty commander's defense. And, you know, I think this defense needs a, a bit of a rebound, um, you know, after, again, you know, short fields, things like that, difficult mm-hmm. to, you know, it's going to be difficult to keep any team from scoring. But, you know, the Ravens put up 30 plus on, on a defense that prides itself on, you know, holding teams under 20. So I think they're going to come out a little bit pissed off as well. Uh, And I think that, you know, unfortunately the Washington commanders are standing on the tracks when the train's coming through. And so, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's probably not going to be pretty. It's probably not. I mean, not trying to be the homer. I think the Niners are going to, it's, it's going to be really one-sided here. I mean, I just think they're going to come out angry. I think they're going to keep their foot on the gas. I think, they're going to absolutely blow this team out. And look, I mean, commanders have, they have talent on offense. Terry McLaurin's great. 
you yeah. know, Curtis Samuels had a good year. I thought Jahan Dotson was going to have a really good season for them. I even jumped for him on one of my fantasy teams, and he's, other than one or two games, he hasn't done shit this year. Yeah. So that's been a disappointment. And Sam Howell, look, dude was a fifth rounder. So, right. you know, it's not like he was a bust or a first or second rounder. He came in, he started, threw for a lot of yards, 19 TDs, 17 picks, but the numbers probably looked better than he actually played. He had some really rough games. And Brissett, well, like <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, you know, Brissett, like you said, he's a vet. He's played mm -hmm. really well when he's coming in relief. He's got 224 yards on 23 attempts and three touchdowns, no picks. Brian Robinson, uh, Antonio Gibson, they haven't used a lot, but Robinson's their main running back. They have a rookie yeah. named Chris Rodriguez, who's done a nice job for them. But this is an offense that's only scored 309 points this year. So, again, it's not going to be – I think the Niners are going to score a ton in this game, and I don't see this offense. Even if the Niners' defense is a bad day and they are banged up, mm. uh, I still don't think they can keep up with the, – the commanders can keep up with the no. 49ers' offense. They're just – this the team – big part of the Ravens having success against the Niners is all the talent the Ravens has. Have well, Washington doesn't have that kind of talent. Yeah. Yeah, How and, you know, uh, uh, again, it's – it, it's a get right game and and then it's and and then you you again you hope that the that the card which you know i think that cardinals eagles game is is most interesting i think the cowboys are going to beat the lions the cowboys are playing at home um you know i think that's going to be the spread on that game i think the lions are plus three and a half i took that plus yeah. three and a half and uh just a, a you know a pick them on on espn i'm taking the three and a half because I think that game ends with with a field goal, but I think it's going to be back and forth in terms of, um, you know, in, in terms of a, kind of an offensive slugfest, if yeah. you will, um, because the the Cowboys can't stop the run, and the Lions will run the ball down your throat if if that is a weakness of yours, and so it will limit the you know it will limit what the Cowboys can do on offense. But Jared Goff away from Detroit is not great, but this game is in a dome. So yeah. uh, that, that bodes well for him. So I do think the Cowboys will pull out the victory, uh, which means that again, you're hoping for the Cardinals to be feisty against this Eagles team that I still don't think has figured things out. And, you know, they're going against their former uh, defensive coordinator uh, and Kyler Murray, you know, Kyler Murray can do some things. And, and that defense is, is not that Philly defense is not very good right now. Um, and it took everything in them to uh, to beat. Who was that that they that they beat on? Giants. Uh, yeah, the Giants. Giants the Giants yeah. gave them everything they could handle. Um, yeah. This Cardinals team, you could argue, is better than the Giants. So, um, yeah, you 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 hope for uh, a 49ers victory, which I, I think is is you know a, a pretty. I guess. I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion any given it, Sunday, but there, there's yeah. there's really no reason why they should lose this game. Absolutely not. And then and then you know maybe you wrap up the the number one seed by uh, <clears throat> by the end of the end of Sunday, and then you can rest some guys and and give people you know two two full weeks of of mm -hmm. well, three full weeks of rest, uh, you know um, going into going into the postseason. So. Uh, things are looking up even after, uh, an embarrassing loss on national television on Christmas day. Uh, but this team is still in a phenomenal position for the postseason for the Super Bowl run. And, uh, I think, I think we see, you know, 35 or more, uh, points put on, put on Washington this Sunday. Yeah. I'm looking at it. You have to win five more games. You win these next yeah. two in the regular season, you get the bye. 
and then you win your next three and, and you bring the chip home. That's that's the mindset. Just come out, win the next five. It's just this is this is the stretch run, man. This this is where it is. Put last week beside, you know, put it in the back of your head, it's over. Now start playing good football again. Start this week with Washington. Beat the Rams, because that is going to be a difficult game. Unless, like you said, maybe the Rams are locked into a playoff seat and they just don't play their yeah. starters or they take Stafford out or whatever. If they go balls to the walls, it's going to be a really difficult game. I understand Kyle owns McVay in the regular season anyway, but it's going to be tough. And then, you know, you get into the playoffs, which in, in a conference where you've proven that you're probably head and shoulders the best team, and probably they are. I mean, yeah. the other two teams, you would argue Dallas and, and Eagle, they kick shit out of them. And Detroit, you know, we'll see, but Detroit doesn't have much of a defense. Uh, you would think the Niners wouldn't have an issue there either, especially if they had yeah. to come to San Francisco. Yep. Um, you know, they've had success against Jared Goff. So by far and away in the conference, and then if you get to the Super Bowl, we'll, we'll worry about that then. But this is where well, it starts, man. Put on the gas. Yeah. And like you said, it it's just they need another five-game winning streak. They started the season with a five-game winning streak. They lost three games. Then they went on a six-game winning streak. Then they lost on uh, on Monday. So now they just need another five-game winning streak to to bring home a Lombardi. And we already know they've been able to do that twice this season. So um, this team is more than capable of doing it. And, um, you know, they're, they're largely healthy, you know, going into, uh, going into this. Um, I think Trent Williams is, is on track to play. Um, you know, the biggest loss is, is Eric Armstead, but bringing Sebastian, jo- Sebastian Joseph day in really offsets that, uh, that loss. So, um, again, they're, they're, they're largely healthy. They're coming off a loss that probably really motivated them and angered them. And I just think they're in a really good spot and, uh, I'm just excited for, uh, for this stretch run into hopefully, uh, the second, second Sunday in February. All right. The spread is 12 and a half. I think the Niners cover that. I'm going to say 38 to 20 was the commander score late touchdown. Yeah, I agree. Um, I had to pick this game, same pick them. The spread was 13 and a half because that's what it opened at. And I still took 13 and a half. So um, yeah, I'm going to say uh, same thing. I'm going to say 38, um, but I'll say that uh, I'm going to say 38, 17 uh, San Francisco. All right, there you have it. We're getting back on track this week. Yes, Happy we New are. Year, Happy New, New Year to you as are well. We, huh? we, when's the game? The game is Sunday morning at 10. The game is Sunday morning at 10 a.m. my time, Sunday afternoon at uh, 1 p.m. your time. That's the 30th. No, what is it? New Year's Eve? It's New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve. Yeah. All right. So I don't know when we're going to record. So happy New Year if I don't talk to you. Yes. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year to uh, our listeners. Uh, We will be back after the game uh, and uh, we will recap it. Uh, But, uh, but yeah. Hey. The sky's not falling. 49ers still in the one seed. It's it's almost time for playoff football. It's the best time. Let's of go, the year. baby. Let's go. All right, for Brian, I'm Al. Later. Niners on three. One, two, three. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.